You're listening to Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. And I want to go ahead and give out this public service announcement right now. If you're easily offended, if you support the BLM, Black Lives Matter movement, if you support the President of the United States, Barack Obama, if you support violence against police, now would be a good time to stop listening. You've been warned, but I assure you there are things that I will say in this show that A, are true, B, need to be said so that this country can get past this bullcrap of this racial disparity crap in the black community concerning police officers so we can get to the root issue of what is really going on in this country. So you've been warned that if you support those issues that I just mentioned, you will probably be offended. And quite frankly, I don't care. And let's be honest, the people that listen to this show actually support police, which is where I stand. Last Thursday, last Thursday, just one day after President Obama talked about racial disparity amongst white police officers and the black community and how the black community is being unjustly wronged by police officers and it needs to be investigated. 24 hours later, we had five, count them, five police officers in the city of Dallas killed during a Black Lives Matter movement. Now, the individual, and I won't give him the satisfaction of calling his name, look him up, the individual that committed this heinous act, this terrorist act on those five officers was a black man that supposedly followed Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I really don't care what he followed. The fact that I do care about is he committed terror in the city of Dallas against police officers that are sworn to protect and serve. And here's what's so interesting and so brave and what I'm really proud of, those five police officers that died are the same ones that were getting the people that were there to protest against them to safety. You see, while other people run like bitches away from danger, police, we run towards it. We protect and serve whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you call us jackass, whether you call us pigs, whatever you call us. At the end of the day, we protect and serve. We, we run to danger. We did it September 11th. 2001, they did it in Dallas last week on this terroristic attack on those police officers. And why do I call it terror? Well, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, actually, when I enlisted in the Army, long before I was a police officer, when I enlisted in the Army, I took an oath to protect this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And what is the definition of terror? Someone that uses violence to intimidate, strike fear for their agenda. So what happened Thursday in Dallas was violence to intimidate, to cause fear for this idiot's agenda. It was terroristic. It's no different than ISIS coming here and doing something. No different whatsoever because it happened here on our soil. And what's sickening to me about it is it's a former U.S. soldier. Now, of course, people are saying, oh, he changed after he got out of the military, blah, blah, blah. We all change when we get out of the military, but we don't go around shooting police because we have an issue with white people. We don't go around causing the city of Dallas panic because... We have an issue with white people. 
I got out of the army in 2002. I have yet to go crazy and say, I'm going to kill this group of people because I don't agree with what they do. Get real. So this individual who, for all intents and purposes that I can tell, really had no dealings with police, now all of a sudden is the voice of the Black Lives Matter movement to say, yes, I'm disheartened by what's going on in the black community too, so I'm going to kill white officers? Get real. Get that crap out of my face. And now we have people, and I've seen the tweets, I've heard about the tweets that are justifying what happened in Dallas. They're justifying that five police officers lost their lives. Five people whose now their families are in mourning because of someone's agenda, because of this bullcrap epidemic floating around this country that police only kill people in the black community and they only stop people in the black community and black lives matter. Yep. Black lives matter. Chia pets lives matter. Monkeys lives matter. White people's lives matter. Smurfs lives matter. Aliens lives matter. Chinese people's lives matter. Everyone's life matters to someone. But now we have five Families in the city of Dallas, one who just got married two weeks before, who his wife is now a widow, one who served three tours, one, two, three, ein, zwei, drei, for my German friends, three tours in Afghanistan, in a war zone with terrorists that like to come to this country and attack us and kill us, three tours, but he dies on the streets of Dallas, where he calls home where he took an oath to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic, because of a bullcrap agenda, because of a bullcrap theory that black lives matter. Hmm. Now, the president was there earlier today, and I really didn't hear what he had to say when he went to the city of Dallas, because... I'm still upset with the president for several reasons, because, again, 24 hours before this happened, it's the same old story. Racial disparity against the black man by officers is ridiculous. If I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. The shooting of Michael Brown was unjustified. The shooting of Tamir Rice was unjustified. So here we are eight years into this term of President Obama, who, last I checked, the President of the United States was the President for all Americans, white, black, Hispanic, Chinese, Asian, Mongolian, Italian, whatever. The President of all America, for the last eight years, as the first and only, mark my words, only black president in this country seems to only talk about it when it's black. So how do you think these groups like Black Lives Matter get traction? How do you think the head of the Black Lives Matter movement gets to sit at the White House? And what does that even look like for the rest of the country? Well, my black president must be is saying that my life matters and that this is unjustified and this is unjustified, so it's got to matter. Well, here's the thing. Here's something that no one has thought of to tell you idiots. Listen, nobody has ever, in this day and age, now we're not talking 1952, 1945, 1938. We do, whether you like them, are not, which I don't, have a black president that was elected twice. So it's not like we need to still hold hands saying kumbaya and we shall overcome. The fact is, no one has told the Black Lives Matter movement that their lives don't matter. No one has said that. So where this misconception, this theory that the lives don't matter is ridiculous. Oh, 
Oh, that's right. I know where it came from. That's right. The unjustified killing of black men in the black community by white police officers. That's right. That's where it came from. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And let's really talk about lies mattering and black lives mattering. Let's look, let's look at what happened before Dallas, just days before Dallas. So we're in Baton Rouge. We got Alton Sterling killed by police. Oh, here we go again. Another black man killed by police. Now, let's forget the fact that he had a gun in his pocket that you can see on video that the officers removed from his pocket. But I know because I was on a few shows this past week talking about, well, he was on his back and the officers could have de-escalated and blah, blah, blah. Well, not when someone has a gun that's not handcuffed. And even if they are handcuffed, some people are very flexible where they can still move their arms to certain places. So to that theory, I say that's bullshit. Because until someone is handcuffed, detained physically, and the gun is removed, there's still a threat there. But I know he was a good boy. He didn't do nothing. Same story all the time. Well, let's look at that night. And then let's look at what he did. Hmm. Remember, crime brings police, not color. So on this particular night, you got Alton Sterling, big guy, red shirt, standing at a store. Someone calls 911, says he brandished a handgun at them when they told him to do something. Hmm. So guess what police are going to do when they get the word gun? They're going to show up. They're not going to show up only if it's a black guy. They're not going to show up only if it's a Hispanic guy, only if it's a midget. Only if it's a dwarf, a giant, whatever, they're going to respond because they heard male with the gun pointing it at someone. Hmm. Crime brought the police to that store that night. So then let's look at what happened since he didn't do nothing. Hmm. What I saw in the video, even though most people who saw the 40 second video say it was unjustified and blah, blah, blah. What I saw was. An individual who matched the description of what they were given in the 911 call, fight, resist the police. And then I heard one of the officers yell, gun, 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 which to me tells me he saw, felt, whatever. He knew there was a gun there at that situation. So you see the other officer pull his gun out and say, dude, don't move or I will. Bop, bop, bop. Hmm. And then here's something really magical. It's really magical since he didn't do nothing. Guess what? They recover a gun from his pocket. Imagine that. But, you know, there's still people that say he didn't do nothing. Well, and we want to protest. We want to riot. We want to block interstates because of it. Well, let's look at Mr. Alton Sterling, and I'm not saying anything that's not public record, so for all of you guys out there that might come back and say, you're wrong, you're dead wrong, let's look at the Mr. I didn't do anything. Aggravated battery, second degree battery, carnal knowledge of a juvenile. So what that means is, for those that don't know, is when he was 21, he had sex with a minor. Hmm. In most states, that would be considered rape. Domestic violence, he likes to beat up on family members, burglary, stolen property, drug possession, possession of a stolen firearm. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Possession of a stolen firearm. Illegal carrying of a weapon. Wait a minute. Didn't police recover a firearm off Alton Sterling that night? And he was charged with Possession of a stolen firearm in the past? Huh. Failure to register as a sex offender. Possession of marijuana in ecstasy. So this is the guy that people are protesting, saying he was unjustly, unjustifiably killed. This is the guy that led to something happening in Dallas. Now, I know, playing devil's advocate, let's be fair. I went down as criminal charges. None of that 
led to a death sentence. True. But here's what led to his death sentence. And no matter how you slice it and dice it, I don't care what you say. Had the situation gone different, because I've even had family members saying, oh, it could have been handled differently. You're damn right. It could have been handled differently. And here's how it could have been handled differently. Show me your hands. Your hands go up. Get on the ground. You get your ass on the ground. Put your hands behind your back. You put your hands behind your back. They cuff you. They recover the gun. And guess what? You go to live another day. Now, I've listened to a bunch of black radio shows over the last week. And, well, if if the officer was fighting with me, I'd be fighting with them, too. He has a right to defend himself. Blase, blase. Well, guess what? You would end up the same way. And then some idiots would be marching because of you, because of some foolishness that you did. So, huh. Did he not do anything? He didn't do nothing. He was a great kid. Well, I read his criminal history, but besides that, the fact is, the bottom line, had he complied with those officers' commands, he would still be here today. So his family can go on the, on the news crying and he was a great dad. He probably was. I'm not disputing that. I don't know. I didn't live in his household. And it's tragic for his 15-year-old son, considering I have a 15-year-old son, and I know how he would feel if I got killed. But let's rewind this. I carry a gun. I have a carry permit to do so. I'm a former police officer. But if police approach me and say, hey, put your hands up or behind your back or whatever, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, dude, I'm a former police officer. I might tell them that as my hands are up, but I'm not going to resist their arrest. I'm not going to say, well, since they approached me aggressively, I decided to fight back, too, because you know what? Then my black butt would be dead. Let's be honest. Let's talk. If we're going to have this conversation in America, let's be honest about it. Let's be clear. So now let's move on to Minnesota. And the live stream of this video. Now, part of the problem I have, besides the video taking place after the shooting, is when I watched that video, as calm as this female individual was, oh, look, they just shot my boyfriend. He's bleeding. I hope they didn't kill him. The first thing I thought was, cha-ching, this is her payday. Because if my loved one who I'm sitting right next to, was shot four times. Do you think grabbing my cell phone is going to be the first thing I think about? Do you think I'm going to be so calm where I could even hold my hands that steady to record this video? So my personal opinion is, she's like, oh, shoot, this is my payday. I'm going to be on CNN. I'm going to be on BET. I'm going to be on Steve Harvey. I'm going to be on D.L. Hughley, all these shows that buy into this crap, and I'm going to get a bunch of money. Because who thinks like that? Who thinks like that? Think about this. You're riding with your spouse, your wife, your husband, your baby daddy, your baby mama, whoever they are to you, and they get shot by the police or by pooking them, whoever they get shot by. Who stops to record that? And I'll go one step further. If it was black-on-black crime, would she have been concerned with recording it? Think about that. How many shootings happened in Chicago over the 4th of July weekend? Did we see any cell phone video of those? Hmm. Think about that. Let it sink in. How many shootings happened in Baton Rouge? Black-on-black crime. Do we see any cell phone video of those? Mm-mm. How many happen in Minnesota? Cell phone video? Nope. Is anybody live streaming? Nope. So she saw a payday. So now let's look at what she says. He had a gun permit. He told him to get his license and registration, and he shot him. That's what she said initially. That's what she said initially in her video. 
So then she says, he told him, don't move, put your hands up. And as he was putting his hands up, he shot him. Which one is it? He went for his license and registration. He shot him. Or the same old Michael Brown crap that the DOJ shot down. His hands were up and he shot him. Hmm. His hands were up and he shot him. Okay. Well, let's go a little further into her video. This is her video now. This is her account, which is going to get eaten up in court if this ever goes to court. Well, we got stopped for a busted headlight and some weed. Hmm. Weed. He got weed. Huh. So just so I understand this, A, if you're driving around with a busted headlight, that's a traffic infraction. Again, crime brings police. And you tell the officer, I have a pistol. Okay, for your protection and mine, don't move. Well, I have a carry permit. Okay, right now I don't know you from Adam. For your protection and mine, don't move. Because remember, I carry a gun. I have a carry permit. I'm an ex-cop. I get stopped on a traffic stop and I tell the officer, hey, I'm carrying my pistol, Glock 26 on my right hip. Guess what he's going to tell me to do? Okay, for your protection and mine, don't move. Hey, man, I'm ex-cop. He don't know me. I could tell him anything in the world. I remember a case here in Georgia last year where the guy said the same thing to a police officer, and it was caught on his body cam, where he kept telling him, oh, I got a carry permit. Officer kept telling him, don't reach for that gun. He got shot and killed. Not the officer, the guy. And guess what? He didn't have a carry permit. He had just gotten out of prison for armed robbery. Convicted felon. Can't have a carry permit. But back to Miss Livestream, Miss Facebook, Miss Payday. So we got stopped for a busted headlight and some weed. So as an officer who stopped quite a bit of cars back in my day, you know, I had a little reputation. I had some awards, yada, yada, yada. As an officer, here's how that went down. Okay, officer, I have my pistol on me. I have a carry permit. That's fine for your protection and mine. Don't move. Babe, babe, we got the weed in here. Oh, shit. We got the weed in here. I got to move the weed. Sir, stop moving. Furtive movements. Police watch those kind of things. Babe, hide the weed. Oh, shit, I got to hide the weed. Pop, 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 pop. Now, let's be honest. That's probably what really happened. Now, am I going to put... 100% money on that? No, but I would put 99.9% .9 that that is exactly what happened. And her changing her account doesn't look good for her. The weed in the car doesn't look good for her. And I bet when this is all said and done, the officer's going to say he was making furtive movements after I told him not to move. And we recovered a bag of marijuana inside the vehicle within his reach hmm i mean if we're going to talk about it let's talk about it because there's another one he didn't do nothing the kids loved him he was a great guy i'm sure kids did love him but the last i checked marijuana is illegal in the state of minnesota the last i checked if i tell you as an officer hey dude you have a pistol. Do not move because I will feel a threat against my life. Guess what? I'm going to shoot you if you move. It's that simple. It has nothing to do with you being black. It has nothing to do with the fact that, according to reports, he was pulled over 52 times. Well, on the 53rd time, since he didn't comply with commands, guess what happened? He died. And it wasn't because his black life didn't matter. It was because that officer's life mattered and he felt an imminent threat against his life because he has the legal right, not only as a police officer, but as a citizen of this country that Obama has divided to protect his life, to go home to his family every single day. So fast forward to past the shooting. Here we are again. President Obama, the president of all Americans, speaking out on something that happened 
to a black guy. Hmm. And less than 24 hours later, a black guy kills five police officers in the city of Dallas. Now, this happened last Thursday. Last Friday, guess who was on a plane to Dallas? And it wasn't your president. It was yours truly. Because I personally flew to Dallas. I personally got a chance to talk to the officers on the ground at Ground Zero at 10 o'clock at night on the corner of Maine and Griffin. It's still 95 degrees out. People are bringing them water. I'm talking to them. You can hardly hear their voices because they're hoarse from yelling the night before. So basically, they had been up 24 plus hours. But here's what is so amazing about the men and women in the city of Dallas. What I saw was them still serving the community. I saw, and I actually took cell phone video of this, a black man who appeared to be homeless told the officers, I'm really thirsty, it's hot. So what do the officers do? Give him two bottles of cold water. The same officers that had been standing in the heat nine or ten hours. They took their time, they took their service to service this individual. I saw people, black, white, Hispanic, you name it, coming up to these officers, thanking them for their service. Some of those people had been there the night before, and they told the officers, hey, had it not been for you guys, I don't know if I'd be here. Now, I was boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. That's how serious this was to me. That's how personal this was to me. And I'm glad, I'm glad I got the opportunity to go there. I'm glad. I mean, did I buy a plane ticket? Did I have to pay for a hotel? Yeah. But here's the thing. Money will come back. Lives won't. Money will come back. Those five police officers' lives won't come back. So here's our great president again. In his statement, he says the officers in Dallas, Texas, were simply doing their jobs. Hmm. Well, let's look at what their job entailed that day. All hell broke loose. They got people to safety. Not just white people. Not just white people. They got black people to safety. Because I've seen black people on the news talking about how the police pushed them out of the way. How the police got them to cover. Wait a minute. Mr. President, the same police that use racial disparity against a black man on a daily basis were doing their jobs that night? Well, no crap they were doing their jobs. Let's look at it even further. They were doing their jobs the day Michael Brown was killed. They were doing their jobs the day Tamir Rice was killed. They were doing their jobs the day Alton Sterling was killed. Hmm. Eric Gardner. Du Bois. They were doing their jobs. But you jumped on the bandwagon of seeing a 30-second video and listening to people who have no insight, just as yourself, into what it is to be a police officer. Now, I know nobody in the Black Lives Matter movement that I've heard of has ever worn a uniform, whether it be an army uniform or especially a police uniform, but yet they are the experts the experts on police tactics. And if you ask 95% of them what the use of force continuum is, I bet you they have to Google it. I bet you they have no clue what you're talking about. So, police were doing their jobs in Dallas. Police do their jobs every single day. But you fail to realize that. But it's only a black man problem, right? Well, let's talk about that. Mr. President, in the Black Lives Matter movement and Al Sharpton and all these other guys, for your Michael Brown, I offer you Dylan Taylor, who was killed just two days after Michael Brown in Salt Lake City. But I bet you the Black Lives Matter movement didn't hear about it. I bet you the president didn't say if I had a son, it looked like Dylan because Dylan Taylor was a 19-year-old white kid killed by, wait, wait for it, wait for it, killed by white police officers. What? So 
Now, are those white officers racist? Is it racial disparity? Or, and Dylan's death was caught on body cam, or could it be that since police were responding to a 911 call about kids with a gun at a 7-Eleven, that when they saw Dylan and approached and he walked away and his hands were close to his waistband, could it be a case that at that instance, based on what police were dispatched to, that, hmm, they perceived the threat of a gun and made that split-second decision to take his life. But it may be racial. It could be. I mean, white officer, white kid, it could be racial disparity, Mr. President. It could be racial disparity, Al Sharpton. Hmm, could be. Now let's look at Alton Sterling. For him, I give you Dylan Noble, Fresno, California, just one week before Alton Sterling. Police get a call, guy walking around with the gun. Sounds similar to Alton Sterling. Police show up, Dylan's in his truck, he takes off, according to police, drives about a half a mile, gets out with his hands behind his back, saying he hates his life. When he charges that police, guess what? They shoot. Guess what? They were white officers. Uh-oh. We have a problem of white-on-white -white racism in this country, Mr. President. Or, 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 and Dylan Noble was unarmed, just like Dylan Taylor, just like Michael Brown was unarmed. Or, Mr. President, could it be that the officers responded to a call? Crime brings police, not color. Crime brings police, not color. Crime brings police, not color, because I'm sure in the Dylan Noble call, the caller identified what they believed to be the suspect. And I'm sure if they would have said, oh, it's a black male, six threes, when they saw Dylan Noble, they would have said, hmm, wrong person. So they got a call, guy with a gun. He made furtive movements, according to police, at that split second when they thought there was an imminent threat of death or bodily injury against them as officers. Guess what they did? They shot him. Now, let's talk about Samuel Du Bois, shot by the Cincinnati uh, campus police officer. I give you Zachary Hammond in South Carolina, 19-year-old white kid, shot as he was fleeing in his vehicle, shot and killed by white officers. Dang. We might be onto an epidemic of white racist officers against the white community. Or just maybe we may be looking at what officers perceive as a threat at that particular moment. Now, this is the officer's perception, not someone with a cell phone video taping something for 20 seconds after the shit has already hit the fan and not showing what led to it, this is the officer's perception of an immediate threat of death and bodily injury. So what someone not trained with no insight of police tactics, police policies, police procedures, what police go through on a daily basis? Huh. They would see it as, oh, look what he did. That's just so wrong. They would be calm enough to get their video camera out and get their payday and live stream their boyfriend's death on Facebook. But that doesn't matter in a court of law. Just ask the city of Baltimore. Ask Marilyn Mosby how those officers keep getting off of those bullcrap charges that she brought against them. Hmm. Just ask. Officer Darren Wilson in St. Louis, how he was acquitted. Oh, he wasn't even acquitted and didn't even go to trial. How he was not indicted for the death of Michael Brown. Just ask the officers that shot Tamir Rice. They didn't get off because they were white and there's a injustice against the black man in the judicial system. No, they got off because based on the evidence, which is captured on video,
the officers perceived a threat. Period. So, why did the officers in Dylan Taylor's case get off? Why did the officer in Zachary Hammond's case get off? Was it because they had white privilege? And this was somebody whose lies mattered? Well, it wasn't because they had white privilege. Because they followed everything to the T. And yeah, their lives mattered. I've spoken to Dylan Taylor's family. I know how hurt they are. Their lives mattered, just like Alton Sterling, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice. I can go on and on and on. But what I'm fed up with is this bull crap theory that this is an epidemic in the black community. And in each of the cases that people are protesting and standing up against, I have a problem with simply because the person that ended up dying wasn't as innocent as they seem. At the end of the day, Freddie Gray ran from police countless times. They caught him that day. It's not the police's fault that he ran. At the end of the day, Alton Sterling resisted arrest with a gun in his pocket. It's not those police officers' fault that he did that. At the end of the day, the guy in Minnesota was going for that weed. And I'm sure it'll come out. It's not the officer's fault that he did that. It's his fault that he did that. Hmm. It's simple math. You comply with the police officer's orders. You go home. And I had someone, and I had to bite my tongue and not curse them out. I had someone earlier last week say, well, why should we have to be in that world where we have to comply with commands? And I was like, uh, how long were you a police officer? Well, I never was. Exactly. I said, because usually when people don't comply, the officer believes that they're A, hiding something, and B, are going to resist, they're going to fight, they're going to want to kill that officer, even if that person is unarmed, because I can go down the list of unarmed people that have killed police officers. So I said to him, is a matter of your black pride worth your life? Because there's a difference between pride and stupidity. There's a huge difference. Yeah, be proud of who you are. Yeah, be proud of your race. Every person is proud of their heritage. That's what makes us this country great. Everyone's proud of their heritage, their race, they should be. But there's a difference between pride and stupidity. Well, I shouldn't have to get on the ground because I didn't do anything. Okay. In your mind, maybe you didn't do anything. In truth, maybe you didn't do anything for that 0.1% of bad officers out there. But in theory, if you want to not have use of force used against you. If you want to not end up dead, put your pride aside and comply with commands. If you feel you have a grievance later, go file it. Each department has internal affairs, OPA, whatever those departments call that agency to file those complaints. They've been around for hundreds of years. Well, I won't say hundreds. They've been around for quite a while, at least I know way back in the 90s, especially since the Rodney King thing, there's been the OPA's internal affairs that look at cases like this. So, hmm, Vince, get on the ground. Okay, you're pointing a gun at me. All right, it's two of you guys. I'm not going to try to fight with you. All right, fine. And then I heard something really stupid, too. It's like, well, since they were wrestling with him, they could have de-escalated and backed away. Yeah, they could have. And when they did that, they would have gotten shot. And as big as Alton was, it's not inconceivable that he could have, and you can see it in one of the videos as he's struggling to move his right arm, probably close to the gun, that he could have broken that arm free and shot those officers. And I'll go one step further. 
since they said they should have let him stand up. Okay, let's take the gun out of the equation. We don't know what his fighting skills are. There's always somebody out there that can fight better than you, that's stronger than you, that's quicker than you, meaner than you, that will outlast you in a fight. So just because he stands up doesn't mean the threat is gone because obviously he didn't want to go to jail. Otherwise, he wouldn't have resisted. So let's look at why he resisted. Oh, crap, I'm a felon. I got a gun. But this is somebody that we're protesting for. Oh, crap, I'm a felon. I got a gun. Oh, crap. I had sex with a minor. And I got a gun. Oh, crap. I sold dope. And I got a gun. So let's not say he didn't do anything. Let's think about this. Let's just say that officers, especially white officers, yeah, let's use white officers because that seems to be the consensus, that they just walked up every day to a black man randomly, pow, pulled the trigger, and walked off. Pow, pulled the trigger, walked off. Oh, here's another black man, pow, pulled the trigger, and walked off. Then we could say, yeah, we have a problem. <laughs> we could say, yeah, there may be something going on with that white officer. But, now correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please follow me on Twitter, Vincent Hill TV, and please correct me. I can't remember a case that we've had in the media in the last three or four years the Michael Browns, the Eric Gardners, Alton, Du Bois, the list goes on and on. I can't remember a case where the officers weren't called to the scene because a crime was going on. Now, I know, I know, I know. And Eric Gardner, he was just selling cigarettes. I know. But if it's a city ordinance, a misdemeanor, guess what? Someone called the police to show up. It's not like that officer just showed up to the scene and was like, you got to go. If you don't, I'm going to choke you. It's not like the officers in Tamir Rice just showed up. Hey, kid sitting on the stool. Pow. Have a nice day. I mean, let's be real. If we want to protest something, let's protest something that is worth protesting. Let's not just make a conclusion based on, oh, they killed him. It had to be racial. Oh, it had to be racial. But what happens when black officers kill black suspects? I don't see it on CNN. I don't see BLM shutting down interstates in every city. I don't see them throwing bricks and cinder blocks and breaking officers' necks when that happens. Why? I thought black lives matter. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I know why. Because if it's killed... If they're killed by a black man, that doesn't matter. I mean, let's look at the numbers. We're talking about two people, one that had weed, one that fought with police that had a gun who shouldn't have had a gun. And all across the country, people are acting stupid. But in Chicago, I think there were... I think I read an article where it said there were 2,000 shootings this year already. And a majority of those, well, I won't say a majority, there were quite a few deaths that related from those shootings. And the suspects were black. But I don't hear President Obama speaking of racial disparity in the city of Chicago, where he's from. I don't see the Black Lives Matter movement marching about that oh i know why because they're the same ones that say this myth of black on black crime is just that it's a myth it doesn't really happen okay you're right and santa claus comes down the chimney yep you're absolutely right it doesn't happen so if we're going to talk about it let's talk about it so a black officer can kill a black man it's nothing it's cool right or a black man can kill a black man. It's nothing. It's cool. But if a white police officer who just happened to be doing his job that day, which, let's be honest, the use of force 
in the daily life of a police officer is always a chance that it will happen because you'll always have that knucklehead that doesn't want to comply. It happens. Now, let me make this clear before I get called an Uncle Tom. Now, I've had suspects fight with me. White ones, Hispanic ones, female, male, black, you name it. They fought with me. So, as an officer, guess what I did? I used force. And if they resist arrest, the use of force continuum tells me what steps I can take. If they escalate, I escalate. If they de-escalate, I de-escalate. If they comply, I've never had to lay hands on anyone that complied. And let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Because I wore that uniform for almost six years. And again, I worked the project at East Nashville. But my black life didn't matter when I was in that blue uniform. I was seen as the enemy. I had black people point guns at me. I had black suspects fight with me. I had a fight with one guy probably for a good five minutes. He told me he was going to kill me. I've had black people have their hand on the trigger when I approached the car. Luckily, when I worked nights, I always approached from the passenger side and they never saw me coming. So let's talk about Black Lives Matter. If we're going to preach that, then let's preach it. Let's go march in Chicago. I'll protest to that. Peacefully. Yeah, we do have a crime problem in Chicago. Where black on black crime is out of control. Just like every other major city in this country. If we're going to protest, let's protest. Or if we're going to videotape somebody getting killed, hell, let's start videotaping people getting killed on the streets by other black people. Let's put it on Facebook. Let's put it on Worldstar. Let's do it if we're going to do it. Or let's get the police with the, their cell phone video and just go sit at a corner somewhere and just start recording people. Hey, what are you doing, officer? Well, you record me. I'm recording you. How about that? You record me. I'm recording you. But the difference is police know what goes on in the community because that's what they're trained to do. But. Black Lives Matter and President Obama and Loretta Lynch and all these people that continuously make fools of themselves. Oh, we're going to investigate Ferguson and Michael Brown. Oh, officer was right. Oh, there's racial disparity against the black man by white police officers. Oop, five officers killed in Dallas. Now I got to swallow that pill and say they were just doing their jobs. You're damn right, sir. They were doing their jobs. And because of the climate that you've produced in this country, those five officers are now dead. And the officers that were shot in the days to follow is a direct result of that. You got officers being ambushed. You got officers having cinder blocks dropped on their neck while they're just out doing their jobs, leaving their families every day for, let's be honest, crappy pay, but yet you expect the world out of them unless, unless it has anything to do with the black community. Don't mess with the black community because there is a problem of racial disparity. And now, since we're on this Obama kindler, gentler police department, don't wear rag gear. It will intimidate the black community. Well, the last I checked, police protect all communities, not just the black community. Don't wear rag gear. It'll intimidate the black community. So now you got officers in cities getting hurt by the dozens because they don't want to wear rag. They can't wear rag gear because you want to demilitarize them because of intimidation. And let's talk about that. Let's, let, let's do it. I mean, we're having this conversation. We have, in this day and age, this thing called ISIS, 
Don't ask me what it stands for. I really don't care. We have this group called ISIS who, on more than one occasion, have done things in this country. Let's look at Orlando, shall we? He pledged his allegiance to ISIS. The officers that went in luckily had militarized gear to stop this individual. But yet and still, our president wants to take that away from police. The things they need to do their jobs safely and effectively so we don't offend the black community. Well, here's the God's honest truth. The black community, and I say this as a red-blooded black man, but I say this more importantly as an American, the black community needs to stop playing victim. Every time something happens, it's racial. Every time something happens, it's the white police officers killing black men. Every time something happens, if I had a son, he'd look like Alton Sterling. Every time something happens, you got Al Sharpton, the, sk- the fat one and the skinny one, going somewhere. Hmm. Stop playing victim. I challenge the president of this United States to do a ride along with a few police officers. Just do it. Go into the daggone projects where people like to shoot police. Go on a traffic stop where you recover three or four guns and some crack cocaine and then see if you say, oh, he didn't do nothing. He's a good kid. Criminals aren't good people. They may be loved by their family, rightfully so, but in my opinion, and I'm sure millions of other people's opinion, criminals are not good people. So, Alton Sterling was loved by his family, loved by his friends, but look what he did as a person in his personal life. Look what he did that night. Think about it. Look what he did that night in Minnesota. Baby, baby, hide the weed. Hide the weed. Oh, shit, I got to hide the weed. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, they shot my boyfriend. Think about it. Let it sink in. And to all those groups, Black Lives Matter, Al Sharpton, Benjamin Crump, President Obama, Loretta Lynch, who also spoke out against the shootings of uh, Alton Sterling and the other guy in Minnesota. Go on these ride-alongs. Go do it. Do it. I challenge you. Don't just do it one time for five minutes. No, no. Do it a week or two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it a week or two. And I'm going to tell you, you better put on your bulletproof vest. You better bring backup. You better do all of that. Because I assure you that they would not care your name was Loretta Lynch. They would not care your name's President Obama. If they have an agenda not to go to jail, they'll shoot you. If they have an agenda not to go to jail, they'll fight with you. If they have an agenda not to go to jail, they'll run from you like Freddie Gray did. Hmm. And for all of you that still may think that nobody ever does anything, just go on and Google the Savannah police shooting, where another kid who was such a good kid got pulled over, acting squirrely, and that's police talk for acting nervous. Officer gets the keys out of the car. He's still acting nervous. Officer's like, okay, let me have you step out of the car. You're, You're acting funny. And guess what the kid does? Starts making furtive movements with his right hand. The officer says, stop reaching. I'm not reaching, sir. I'm not reaching, sir. Guess what he does? Gets out. Shoots the officer twice. And the officers, his backup officers, return fire. Just that quick. Just that quick for a good kid who was 
being racially unjustified, shot an officer twice. So, for those that think that job in policing is easy, think again. For those that think that the Black Lives Matter movement are nothing more than a divisive unit, think again. Because I assure you, black lives don't matter if they wear a blue uniform. Just go ask William Porter in Baltimore. Go ask Caesar Goodson in Baltimore, who was just acquitted in the death of Freddie Gray. But he was thrown into that loop of, ah, oh, he's the devil, he's evil. He killed another black man. Hmm. It's interesting that the Black Lives Matter movement can use that when it's beneficial for them to push their agenda. It's really, really funny how they do that. But they don't want to focus on the real issues plaguing the black community. Crime rate. The drug rate. But I know there's people that are going to say the white man brings drugs into the neighborhood. Could be true. The white man makes guns. Yeah, that's true. But the white man didn't tell you to go sell drugs. Didn't go tell you to go down the street and shoot somebody either. Stop playing victim. Mr. President, and I know you got my tweets last week. When I started mentioning names like Dylan Taylor and Dylan Noble and other names that I used and asked you, was it racial disparity? Mr. President, stop dividing this country. Now, I know we still have a few months left of your term and a lot can happen in these few months where you'll still get on TV even after the events of Dallas, even after five officers lost their lives and Officers across the country have been hurt because you want the happier, friendlier police department. Stop dividing this country. Certain things you should not speak about as the president of the United States. You should not. So picture this. Picture this. Think about this and let it sit in. George Bush, let's say he's still in office. Charleston, South Carolina breaks out where he shot nine people in a church. How would it look if George W. Bush came on and said, if I had a son, he'd look like Dylan Roof. Think about it. Let it sit in. Or how would it look if George W. Bush, a white president, had heads of the Ku Klux Klan at the White House, like President Obama has had heads of the Black Lives Matter movement at the White House. So if you're going to be the president, Mr. President, be the president for all America. It's really not that hard. I mean, that's how and why you were elected to be the president of all America. But I have yet to see you reach out to Dylan Taylor's family, Dylan Noble's family, Zachary Hammond's family. I've yet to see you send the Department of Justice there to look at those cases. But God forbid somebody that was a good kid who didn't do nothing, who actually did do something, is shot and killed by the police in a black community. Then you are the first person to give a press conference from the White House from Air Force One, from Spain, wherever you are, you're giving these press conferences to black America. Hmm. I didn't know there was a black America. I didn't know there was a white America, a Chinese America. I know they're black Americans, white Americans, Chinese Americans, but I didn't, I didn't know there was just a black America and that those issues are the only ones that matter. You know, it's no wonder that ISIS can come here and do what they do because we can't even stand together in this country because of stuff like that. We can't stand together 
in unity because of stuff like that. And I'll be honest, hell, if I was a white person, well, I'll take that back because I'm still offended by it. But if I was a white person and all I heard was my president, who, let's be honest, got in office both times because of the white vote. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. If I was a white person in this country and all I heard was Black Lives Matter, I'm meeting with the Black Lives Matter movement. Tamir Rice was a 12 year old that didn't deserve to die. Michael Brown didn't deserve to die. I'm going to dis- this, I'm going to send the Department of Justice down there and spend millions of dollars to investigate this death because this has to stop. How do you think I would feel? How do you think I would feel as a white American or hell, a Chinese American, Hispanic American, because crime and victims come from all races, all nationalities. It happens. Police deal with all races and all nationalities. Police are all races and all nationalities. So how do you think the white police officer in this country feels now, Mr. President, now that you've grouped them into this group of hate mongers? How do you think they feel? I'll tell you how they feel. They feel like. No, I won't say that. I will say they're likely upset. But. At the end of the day, you don't break their spirits because they still do what they're supposed to do. Like you said, they were doing their jobs in Dallas, protecting the ones that were there, calling them pigs, wanting them to be fired, wanting them to have police reform, all of this stuff. Nobody was screaming police reform when they were running. Nobody was saying, oh, I don't want you to help me, officer, because you're white. You may shoot me. They were saying, please get me out of the way of these bullets. Please, Mr. White Officer, get me out of the way of these bullets. Huh. Huh. I want you to save my life, but God forbid you pull me over. It's racial. God forbid I'm doing something I shouldn't do, and I fight you, and you have to use force against me. Then it's racial. But, uh uh-oh, if the shit hits the fan, Mr. White Officer, I need you to help me. Uh Uh-oh, they're shooting I'm going to hide behind you, Mr. White Officer. Uh Uh-oh. You pushed me out of the line of fire, Mr. White Officer. But I'll be right back here next week protesting against you because they killed Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge. And he was a good kid. So officers have to deal with this stuff on a daily basis. They're not appreciated. They hear from their president how horrible they are. They hear from the Department of Justice how horrible they are. But yet they still do their jobs. So let me ask you this. Who's protesting for the police? Who's rioting for the police? Who's standing up for the police in this country? If they can't get it from their leaders... And I will lump Hillary Clinton into that, too, because she's saying all of this stuff to get the black vote, period. Period. You don't believe me? Go look at history. Go read some of the articles some of the former Secret Service that used to work under her husband have said about her. Go read the article the state trooper wrote about her and how she doesn't even like police. So it's not like she... Is doing this because, oh yeah, I feel your plight as the black community. No, no, she's never liked police anyway. But she knows if she says this, you're going to give her your vote as a Democrat. Hmm. Hmm. Imagine that. Hey, I thank you for listening tonight. Like I said at the beginning of this show, it was going to be brutally honest. If you are offended, don't listen. If you appreciated what I said, if you understood what I said, if what I said made sense, hey, I challenge you to send this to your friends. Let them hear it. Let's get this message out to the world. Because in this current state that this country is in, We're headed for trouble. 
we are so headed for trouble because of this myth, this theory. If we can't come together and teach people what police do, what police are authorized to do, we're going to always have this problem. It's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better because we'll still have people fueling this. We'll still have people in office for the next six or seven months fueling this. So I urge you to send this out to as many people as you know. Hopefully they'll get the message. They'll pass the message along and we can fix this country. But before I go, if this is your first time listening to this show. Every show, I always have what's called roll call. And what that is, is I mention officers killed in the line of duty. And of course, it would only be fitting to talk about the five officers that were killed this past week in Dallas. So I want to read their names. Brent Thompson, married just two weeks before he was killed. Patrick Zimaripa, three tours in Afghanistan. Michael Crawl, Lauren Ahrens, and Michael Smith, a retired Army Ranger. They gave the ultimate sacrifice that most people in this world would never do. They gave the ultimate sacrifice doing what they took an oath to do, protecting and serving the citizens of the great city of Dallas. I cannot thank them enough for their service. My prayers go out to their families, their friends, and I wish them Godspeed when they get to heaven. Because I have no doubt that although they were police and they had white skin, I have no doubt, based on everything I've heard, that these were good men. These were men that had families, wives, mothers, sisters, brothers, children. So who's marching for them? Who's protesting for them? Let's fix this country. Let's fix America. I want to thank you for listening. I'll be back next week, same time, RadioInfluence.com, and available for downloads on iTunes. Thank you, and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you the best in digital media broadcasting. We've got something for everybody. National sports radio talents such as the fabulous sports babe and Rich Herrera. Huge podcasts like the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show. And the MMA Insiders with Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan. New shows like Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill. Entertainment shows like LOL with Nancy Alexander. And shows that'll make you think like Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger. We've got you covered. You can find all our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.